Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Malai Anna Malai from Pecos Capital. Welcome, Malai. Thank you, Rama. Good to be here. Sure. Thank you very much, Malai. Little bit about Malai. Malai Anna Malai is responsible for underwriting, asset management, and investor relations at Pecos Capital. Mr. Anamalai has over 16 years of real estate experience, which includes multifamily, single-family rentals, hard money lending, and non-performing mortgage notes. Mr. Anamalai started his career as a management consultant working for large consulting companies, including Delight, and then ventured out of of start an IT staffing company. Entrepreneur at heart is always looking to add value. And his passion is in connecting people, real estate, creating finance, and optimizing tax efficiency. In addition to spending time on personal multifamily deals and syndication, he walks the walk and has invested in six multifamily syndications with other groups as a limited partner, totaling over 1,000 plus doors. I guess uh, you have more than that numbers and also you have some invested on GP side also. So with that, Malai, uh, you want to add anything to your background? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've uh, I, actually at this time I have invested in eleven deals as passive, and it's over two thousand uh, doors at this time, and we have three uh, deals that we own. Cool. So, so what what is the reason getting into real estate and multifamily space? Uh, real estate. I mean, that's uh, you know I've always been interested in uh, tax finance, and uh, you know uh, dollars, I guess, and real estate is just. Uh, um, you know, it's it, it's just where everything converges. Um, so that's how I got started in single family rentals. So the plan when I started was to buy one single family rental every other year. Um, so the, the, the plan was once I get 10 single family homes free and clear, that'll be my retirement. But soon after five or six, I, I believe six, yeah, after six houses, I realized that the banks don't lend. Banks are not as friendly as the first and second and third homes because they see you as a huge risk. Because if it's like a domino, if you are down in one, then it takes out the entire uh, portfolio. Then I just started looking at different things. I did hard money lending. I still do hard money lending. I still have invested in some second performing, I mean, non-performing notes. Um, So I've I've dabbled a little bit in all of those stuff. Nothing really seemed scalable per se. After single family home, nothing really seemed scalable. And I kept looking, but at that time, I uh, I have an IT staffing company and that took off quite a bit. So I had to just focus on that. So I kind of just paused real estate and just focused on that company, just growing that company. And when COVID hit, I mean, my, my main job in the IT staffing is really just go meet with the, with the clients, take them out to lunch, dinner, you know, whatever, just, you know. Uh, build relationship. That's 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 the bottom line. You know, sales and marketing. Build relationship. That's the bottom line. When COVID hit, you know, everything just came to a screeching halt, and I just had nothing but time in hand uh, because we had consultants working for us, and I have a good operations team that can actually run run the current operations. So my job to grow the company kind of just went everything in house in Zoom. So I figured, okay, you know, I've always been wanted to learn multifamily. 
But every time I touch it, it just looks like a behemoth that nobody can get into. Once you're in, you're in. But outside looking in, it's never easy to get in because everything is so different. And everybody just talks all of these acronyms and lingos just to keep you out, right? I mean, it's just like the Wall Street, right? If you know the lingo, it's easy to deal with them, talk with them, work with them. But if you don't know, then everything looks so hard and so different. So, you know, for for about two or three months, I just uh, learned the basics and stuff like that from YouTube and you know, going to every single virtual, because at that time, everything was virtual conference. So it was, you know, geography and travel was not a big deal. So I, I could sign up for everything uh, in all of the virtual conferences. So it started out as two or three month plan. And then six months later, I was still consuming content. It was just, uh, it was not even funny that I had so much content that I've consumed. I signed up for financial modeling classes because you know me, I, I, I need to know like a lot more before I put my money in. So I've, I signed up for financial modeling classes just to, it's not just, I signed up for underwriting classes, but that was not enough. I just needed to know how to create my own model and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, so I, I did all of that stuff and uh, I met one of my um, you know now partners, Mike, in uh, one of the virtual conferences. So that's how I got started in multifamily. It's a uh, it's it's a long story, but it's just uh, it's just lucky, I guess, at the at the right time at the right place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for long uh, story. And so you started uh, investing passively, like now almost eleven deals or two thousand units. So how do you select uh, these passive investments? So passive investment. So that's a that's a great question because um, you know first I got in as a GP. We got this 83 units in Albuquerque. We got that done, and then I just looked at it to see what I really wanted to do. Uh, I just sat back and I just wrote down, okay, what what is my real goal? I mean, am I just investing just this to invest my own money? Because pretty soon money is going to run out because you know everybody's working with a finite amount of money. It's going to run out. So when I looked at my real goals, my real goal was to do syndication down the line to raise money, to scale this business. To scale it, what do I need to do? I need to invest passively in few deals just to see how people run the deals, you know, communicate with investors and stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I have a couple of companies that I run actively. If I run two or three apartment businesses, you know, these two would merge to give me the goal that I need, which is a syndication. So first couple of deals, I said, okay, passively investing, I just went to a couple of conferences. Uh, people pitched the deals after the conference. I said, oh, this is good. This is in Dallas. Okay, let me just invest. First couple of deals, you know, everything looked good. Uh, I just invested. And then is when I said, okay, man, I can't just keep doing all of this stuff. Just, you know, you know, anybody who's pitching a deal, I can't just invest in that deal. I need to really select what I'm investing in. That's when I realized, okay, you know, it's not really the deal. It's really the operator that really is important. Because at the end of the day, you're not bidding on the property, you're bidding on the operator, you're bidding on the jockey, not the horse. So then I started doing a lot more research on the people who were doing uh, the deal as opposed to just the deal itself. Great. Yeah, that's a great point. So you invested like almost 11, 11 properties. So how do you monitor your investments? So I I have a, so I'm pretty anal with all these things. I have a huge spreadsheet that I that uh, I write down. Okay, what is the pro forma? What is their what is their plan? Are they planning to distribute every month, every quarter? You know, every six months? Are they hitting the target? If not, just reach out to them just to see if they are having trouble hitting the target. That's what I started out, and then I realized okay, some guys are just raising money and just giving dividends out of their money. Uh, that kind of that. 
that theory just kind of went out the window. But I still track all of these in this spreadsheet just for my own benefit. Uh, you know, what is the capital at risk that I have? And, uh, you know, how many deals have gone full cycle? And, and, uh, and you know, things like that. I, I just track all of these in um, spreadsheet. I'm pretty, I'm pretty anal and I'm pretty, uh, you know, detail-oriented with, with the numbers. Great, great. So, uh, and what are the risks with passive investing? The risk always is the operator that you are investing with. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not the deal itself. It is the operator. Uh, you can give a great deal to a mediocre operator and they can screw it up. You can give a mediocre deal to a great operator and they can actually make a profit out of it. So the risk is the operator itself. It's just how many deals they've done, how reputable they are in the market. Uh, because if if somebody has done multiple deals, they're not going to just you know screw you around with one deal, right? So it's just it's just the reputation. It's just the word on the street. What's the reputation? And talk to a few investors that they have uh, they have dealt with in, in the past. Got it. Cool. So let's switch towards active side. So you did, you had, uh, you did like three deals, and you know maybe in future it will be do more deals. So how do you source your deals, and how do you underwrite deals, and what are the parameters you would consider while underwriting these based on like different markets, different market cycles, or different uh, you know economic shifts? That's that's a that's a great point for the great time because uh, right now we're seeing in last three months market has changed quite a bit. It's it's almost night and day. Things have come to a screeching halt uh, these days as far as the multifamily uh, because of the interest rate hikes and all that stuff and. Uh, not just that, the lenders retrading while in contract, you know, so th- things have changed quite a bit in underwriting. It's not like we have one model and we just stick with that model. Um, when COVID hit, our underwriting thing was we're not going to project any rent growth. Uh, so even though we are super conservative, even though we're not projecting any rent growth, we're not, we still offer on you know, multiple number of deals, even though we didn't win those deals, we we still offered based on our underwriting model. And then obviously when that loosened up, we we had to just go with, you know, like uh, 5% rent growth in Dallas market. Obviously when everybody was underwriting 10%, 15% rent growth, we're still underwriting it at a 5% rent growth in the FW market. Uh, so if you're conservative, it's not going to win you a lot of deals, but we just wanted to be comfortable with what we get into. We, we just wanted to be comfortable with the deals that we are getting into. And now, you know, when the last, uh, the second last deal that we did, uh, you know, hard money was like a no-brainer, right? It's just uh, day one hard. It's just a no-brainer. It's just, you know, 1% day one hard and 3% uh, EMD is just a no-brainer. But now in last three months, Harmony has just gone out the window. I mean, one person EMD is what the market is looking for, you know, after the DD period is complete. So we just have to go with the market. I I, I try to be on top of all the podcasts and uh, you know the the lender stuff just to see what is going on in the market and what other uh, people are doing just to keep up with the, the the market. Great, great. Yeah, thank you very much. So let's shift towards you know operation side. So that is a key point, key thing, right? In multifamily or any business. So what are the most important KPIs that you track for multifamily assets? That's a that's a good good question. You know, any anybody can buy if they overpay. What really makes a huge difference in an operator is how they run the deal efficiently and tightly and monitor the property manager. So one of the things that we found is, uh, you know, the, the the first deal that we got, it was a 
it was more like a repositioning deal. It was 60% occupied during the height of COVID. We bought it. Now it is 96% as of last uh, week's uh, property management call. And, um, you know, it... You know, 30% of that comes from the property management company itself as to how they actually have boundaries in place for their employees. And 70% of it really comes from the staff that is on the deal, uh, the manager and the leasing agent that's on the deal. And uh, that 70% is what we can actually impact. So we, we have weekly calls with all of our properties. Uh, you know, we actually look at delinquencies because obviously last couple of years, that 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 was a big thing, and you know KPIs change depending on the market and stuff like that. For the last couple of years, delinquency was a huge thing, so that's something that we always look at: what is the delinquency and how we can mitigate that risk, and uh, what are who are all the tenants that are moving out, and uh, you know how many people are re-signing the lease. Those are the three metrics that we look at in every call, and obviously you know after that we look at the work orders and uh, you know the. The, the staffing, do we have enough staffing? Do we need to, you know, augment the maintenance person with like additional help and stuff like that? That all depends on the number of turns that we have and the work orders and things like that. But, uh, you know, delinquency and keeping the tenants happy and re-signing the lease. Okay. So any best practices, any, you know, out-of-box ideas you have implemented as part of operations? As far as operations is really just uh, if you watch the PNL, if 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 you watch the T12 and if you watch the rental closely, and if you question all of the all of the charges that go in the T12, what happens is it actually sends two two messages to the property manager and the accounting team. One is these guys are not going to just take whatever because what I mean, you know, all of us are humans, right? They they make mistakes. It's not like they're they're trying to cheat you. They make mistakes. Uh, so when you watch it carefully. They are going to pay extra attention to your property to make sure that they're not just booking entries by mistake, right? Because some of the, you know, some of the entries should have been below the line that went above the line. Like, you know, some of the CapEx entries went, you know, above the line, uh, things like that. And, you know, some of the, like, the utility bills got paid twice and they got credit. Like, these are the things that cannot happen if you're running tightly. It can happen once it, you know, second or third time, you you better make sure that you have boundaries and you you tell the property manager that, you know, whatever they're doing, they have to pay extra attention. You know, one, once is okay, but they can't just keep making the same mistake on and on. Got it, got it. So what are the biggest challenges you face when tracking or implementing KPIs? The biggest challenge is the delinquency because what happens is the active the 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 first couple of months when we were tracking delinquencies, we thought, oh yeah, we're doing pretty good. We're tracking everything. We're talking about all these things. This is pretty good. But then what we found out was, um, so let's say for example, a tenant owes you ten grand, and the tenant leaves the property because you have uh, you've uh, you've gotten the court date, and the court has asked the tenant to leave. What happens is all of a sudden the delinquency goes down by ten grand, right? You think that you're doing pretty good because you're just looking at the delinquency. Right. If you don't look at the big picture, you're not doing justice to your money that you've invested. Right. So then we said, oh, this is not this is not the full picture of the delinquency. Then we started tracking, Okay, like four or five months ago, we could actually get help from the state and stuff like that. We could actually, you know, in Albuquerque, there was ERAP and stuff like that, that we can actually do it on behalf of the tenant. Uh, before they leave. So we, we we started tracking all of the tenants that left that didn't pay as well, uh, just to get a full picture of the real delinquency and not just 
the active delinquencies. Got it. Got it. Cool. Uh, would you share any best or related multifamily investing experience so far? The best. Uh, so we we have 83 units. We have a 34 units, and we have 72 units. So the first property that we had is 83 units. We have one uh, leasing agent and one maintenance person, and half maintenance person just to help that maintenance person, right? So our experience was just that one thing when we started. Then we got this 34 units. We were always thinking in that terms when we got the smaller property, right? Uh, in multifamily, bigger is always better. <laughs> this is it's just no question. We just yes, we have heard all of us have heard bigger is better, but then. Uh, you know, when you're working with your own money, you just because at the, at the when the 34 units happened, I sold a couple of single family homes and I had to deploy that money quick. Uh, so I had this 1031. Uh, so we just got into this 34 units. Had I known what I know right now, I wouldn't have pulled the plug on 34 units because anytime you have less than one leasing agent and less than one maintenance person, you're dealing with nightmare because you don't have control of the staff that is in the property because you're sharing staff and you're at their mercy when they want to do. We had a plan of rehab of this 34 units. All of the plan went out the window because, you know, the plan, we planned it based on the 83 units that we owned and we thought that we could get their help in time. But all of that went out the window. I mean, in, at the end of the day, in multifamily, bigger is better. Always shoot for at least 75 or more. Uh, you know, around 70, 75 is the sweet spot. I mean, 85 is actually ideal. Uh, but anything less than 70, you're just buying yourself a nightmare. Got it. Cool. And w- what is your current focus, Malay? The current focus is uh, for next three months, we're just going to, uh, we, we just acquired the 72 units. The next, uh, the next three months is just to focus and uh, get the operations streamlined for these, you know, these three properties. And then look at syndication. So next three months, there is no more. Because we, we, we're kind of just a uh, little bit tired of uh, transactions and dealing with the brokers and, uh, you know, things. And also the market is kind of in flux at this time. Uh, so we kind of just transactioned out, per se, uh, at this time. So the next three to four months until Q4, we're going to just focus on these transactions, make the operations you know, as efficient as possible. Great. Great. Good luck. And any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Personal habits. I mean, I've I've always been I've always been impatient. I mean, it's uh, it's just a blessing in disguise. The the first property that I got was an eighty three unit deal. I just ready fire and then aim. I just learned by doing, which is which could hurt, but that has kind of helped me in the in in the past. Great. So share any personal learning or any decision that impacted your personal life. As far as decisions, you know, just being being thankful and being friendly goes a long way. So I actively run an IT management company, IT consulting company, you know, apartment business, any business is the same thing. At the end of the day, you are dealing with people. It's the relationship business. Everything is relationship. Right. If you're nice to people, they'll be nice to you. Right. If 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 you are just looking for transaction, then you're not looking long term. Right. You always try to give and help in whatever way you can, without expecting anything in return at that moment. Right. Uh, things are gonna come back multifold down the line sometime when you're not expecting. Awesome. Awesome. 
and any books that impacted your life and what way so uh, i've i've always been like a self help junkie uh, i've i don't know i must have read about 3 400 books i've uh, you know anything with motivation anything with self help anything in ja- in that genre most likely i've read one thing that i tell my kids is any biography autobiography is a huge huge help i have a 17 year old son and he says well you know jeff bezos is like so lucky cuz it's so much money um steve jobs is so lucky and uh, when you read about them you see how hard of a life they've had and what they've what, you know how many failures they've fa- I, mean, i mean you know all it takes is one success they they might have had 100 failures all it takes is one success so if we have if we have like 10 15 failures it's not the end of the world right it's just the part of the deal all you need all you're looking for is that one home run one success uh so if you read any anything i mean you know nike you know for that's a that's a that's a great example you know phil knight's uh, shoe dog you know rockefeller steve jobs andrew carnegie i mean all of these guys you know ken longgorn you know that's that's like you know one of my best things uh, from you know home depot uh, so all of these guys are you know it just tells you how it's not just fancy and flashy as it looks it's it's all hard work thank you for sharing few examples also and how are you giving back to community malai so as far as giving back i've been a cub scout leader i i just i i joined as a leader when my son was in first grade now he's 17 um so i've been a leader for about 12 years now that's that's the way that i give back and it's just amazing to see kids grow in front of your eyes and mature you know just uh, as a leader you are creating new leaders in the community awesome awesome and hope listeners can connect with you so uh the best way is pecoscapital.com it's m a l a i malai at pecoscapital.com and uh obviously my cell phone is 5106845201 but email is the best way to get get all of me awesome and thank you very much malai uh, really enjoyed the conversation and thanks for adding value to the show thank you rama thanks for uh, having me and it's uh I've I've been following you on the podcast you have you have great guests and I've uh, I've learned so much from your your guests as well sure thank you thanks for listening to multifamily ap360 check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website vishakapital.com also if you enjoyed this episode share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review follow me on my social media thanks for tuning in and i'll see you next time Thank you.